And the Kings exit their zone. Here's Kopitar, deking through the middle. Kopitar, straight line drive, back to the score! Dustin Brown gives the Kings the lead. You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Kings. Kopitar plays it in front, they score! Dustin Brown with his second. Kopitar with it, Dowdy looks up. Carter in neutral ice. Brown in the empty net. Patrick. Bill gets to the puck with 30 seconds left. Turnover. Love scores. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. My name is Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. What? Well, what was that game, you guys? Jack Jablonski, Dr. Jay Calvert, Dave Joseph, and Carlin Bathe join me and try to stuff my brains back inside my head after that utterly mind-blowing performance by your LA Kings. Uh, never miss an episode by subscribing today. Subscription links and recent episodes can be found at lakings.com slash podcast. We are here in the Bob Miller Press Box high above the ice at Staples Center. Joining me as always, Jack Jablonski. How are you doing tonight, Jack? I'm good. It's a uh, long time coming. We've... Seen a win. <laughs> yeah, it turns out you're not the bad luck charm. It's about time. <laughs> and uh, joining us for the first time from the Dr. Hack, Dr. Hacky, Dr. Hockey <laughs> podcast, Dr. Jay Calvert. How are you doing today, Jay? Doing great. Uh, very happy about a King's win. Do I call you Jay? Do I call you Doc? Jay, please. Jay, all right, Jay. Let me turn my mic up here. Uh, so, look, honestly, we were going to do a podcast last night, but they lost. And the conversation, you know, around the uh, the media room was, well... So much for that, you know. Dave Joseph had made a lot of noise uh, in the previous podcast about winning two out of th- you know every three games. Edmonton and Vancouver were the teams you'd expect to beat. Vancouver comes in on an eight-game losing streak. They, you know, they win late, and then you sort of figure, well, now it's the Kings back-to-back games, and there's no way that they turn this into a win, and yet they turn it into. I don't want to say like a convincing win, but I mean, Jack, at least. The first 10 minutes of the game and maybe three or four other stretches, some of the most impressive Kings hockey we've seen all season, right? Oh, very much so. Ultimately, I think the best period we've seen of the Kings is maybe that second period against Nashville Mm -hmm. uh, in that back-and-forth battle. But this this has to be the most put-together game we've seen all season, in my opinion. Uh, You know, they had control of the puck for the majority of the game. You know, shots weren't in their favor early, even though they had dominated play, in the, especially in those first 10 minutes, as you mentioned. Uh, but at the same time, you know, throughout the game, the puck was continually on their puck, and lines one through three, and even the fourth line at times, uh, controlled play the whole time. Jay, you were down in section 107. How did it look from ice level? I'll tell you, they looked really great tonight. Yeah. I was very impressed with uh, the the four check was incredible. They, they did not look like the same Kings team that played last night i can tell you that much yeah they they were all over them one of the jokes we've been sort of making is this isn't a talent issue this is some sort of you know emotional or mental or psychic issue and maybe they just needed an outing at you know mini golf or a you know a sleepover or a slumber party or something (laughs) right to to switch to flip that switch (laughs) seeing them tonight just watching brown and carter you know joking around after the game seeing the look on all the guys faces when matt luff scores the empty netter to get his fourth goal in four games i mean I don't want to get into like body language and <laughs> and mind reading, but 
not just the play on the ice, but I mean, this looked like a completely different team, not just from 24 hours ago, but from 48 hours, you know, 72 hours. I mean, it's well, you I know, don't know what to make of it. Well, when you were over uh, with us on the Dr. Hockey podcast and mm-hmm. we were talking then there, you were talking about confidence issues that Drew Doughty was talking about. Mm-hmm. And tonight you could see that that that's not the case. And even last night they played a very different game than they had been playing. So I think that uh, whatever uh, Desjardins is doing, it's working. He's he's definitely got the got the team going in the right direction. He's got the people that need to be keyed in are really doing all the right things to produce this win tonight. And and as you said, some of the best looking Kings hockey in a long in a long time. Winning cures everything. (laughs) Now, winning is plural, but Mm -hmm. to an extent, uh, they're winning and that's you know we talked about the two out of three that dave has mentioned a little bit in the past but uh things get a little bit easier everyone isn't fighting as much you know the confidence is there when you you can see the success in front of you Uh, and yeah i agree to the extent that yesterday was not pretty by any means and you looked at an eight game losing streak for vancouver and then to turn around in 24 hours after you know having a 2-2 tie uh, towards the end of the game and, and being able to, you know, take uh, advantage of a uh, a missed opportunity for, for Edmonton after having the lead in the second period as well. So, um, you know, we'll see where they can build off of this and, and you know, how much we can see the progress uh, now that Desjardins has been within the organization for quite a while, but to be continued. Dave Joseph now joins us. Uh, Dave. Jesse. You said you got to win two out of three. They got to win up, two out of three. They wind up losing two out of three. But what did you think of tonight's game? Well, I want to know what Cannon Dustin Brown got shot out of tonight because that was, was yeah. that amazing. I mean, I'm sure you guys already said that, but wow, that was a performance. I mean, that's a that's a team leader taking control and stepping forward and saying this stops now. Little 2012. Dustin I, I felt like it, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, it really did feel like it. And and Kopi had a big game tonight. Huge game from Kopitar. Game winner. A couple of helpers. Those two were playing great tonight. So I said to to uh, Jack, I don't know, maybe halfway through the second period <laughs> yeah. or whatever, like, I'm actually mad at how well Andre Kopitar played because <laughs> – You were ready to give up on him. I've read your tweets. <laughs> ready? You I, think he's hurt. No, no, I had. I <laughs> mean – You think he's hurt. There's something wrong with him. But but the point is, like, and I told Jack <laughs> – look like it tonight. I told Jack I was going to curse on the on the post game tonight. Did you? He looked – Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Not Come yet. Get, <laughs> we're know, waiting. Gird your loins. Um, he, he, he played fantastic tonight. He did. Where the fuck was that for the last twenty games? Like, honestly, don't don't pull any punches here, Jess. No, I mean seriously. Like, I'm thrilled, right? If that's the team we get to see for the next fifty nine games, great, yep. uh, 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 fantastic. But honestly, like, isn't that the uh, the Andre Kopitar that we all know and love? Yeah, I mean that's the guy that got paid the big money, right? That is the guy. I mean this this game reminded me of the Colorado game I referenced last time, you know, where he scored the four goals the four goal in the game, yep. you know head to head yep. against McKinnon. McDavid comes in, they you know back to back nights. They've lost a game, you know, a terrible game against Vancouver. Obviously, people are are beginning to talk about you know the the best players on the team not pr- producing, and he comes out and has, you know, a terrific game. Your best players need to be your best players, and they were tonight. They absolutely were they were. not. Eleven, twenty three. Uh, and then some of the other guys chipping in, too. I mean, Left gets the empty netter at the end, but I thought Wagner had a strong game and was out on the ice late in the game, which was good to see that that some of the youth is being trusted with some late ice time. Cal Peterson played terrific in net. Uh, 
your top guys have to be your top guys, and they were tonight. I mean, when Dustin Brown scores a hat trick, and, and we were saying down in the box in the second period, he's going to get a hat trick tonight. Like yeah. you could just kind of feel no, it. And I'm sure you guys were sensing it up here. I mean, yep. he was on a different level tonight, what? completely different level. And the and the play setting up his third goal. I mean, how many guys Jay on the ice touched the puck before he finally ha- fired it into the oh, empty I net? Mean, it was it was really moving. <laughs> yeah. I, it, I, I'm telling you, it looked like a very cri- like I don't know where this offense came from because if you said predict what was going to happen tonight. I thought they would slug it out and win the game. Right. But they looked like a goal-scoring unit uh, that was re- really unexpected to me. It was great. I-, I enjoyed it tremendously. I'm sure they had a great time playing, so it was uh, fun for the fans. Great. Yeah, it was a complete performance, and it's something that we haven't seen in a while. Not at and all. We've had wins before where, you know, as Jay mentioned, where we slug it out, it's not the prettiest game, but it's you know your typical three-two Kings physical battle, and sometimes they come out on top. Where tonight it was, it, it they slugged Edmonton in the face, and they had no response. So a different type of slugging, but the, yeah, that identity line for Edmonton didn't really uh, didn't did, do a didn't whole do lot. much to change their identity. Could, no, could Dustin you know. Brown not have had four goals tonight though too? Maybe five, five, maybe five. Yeah. I mean, there were a couple of really good yeah, yeah. opportunities that yeah. they just missed, or it was the, the one went off the crossbar, right? Yep. Kyle, crossbar, Kyle Clifford court. could have had a hat trick tonight, right? Well, okay, <laughs> I mean, let's, let's not get ahead right. of ourselves. Yeah, don't push. He hit, he hit the post twice. I mean, he did have some opportunities. <laughs> yeah, he certainly did. Fair, good team effort. Um, but I mean, I, again, part of my, part of my, and look, I don't want to. I'm thrilled they won, but part of my annoyance, like there was more creative passing executed on Dustin Brown's empty netter than probably the entire season up to that point. So, I mean, (laughs) it's true. (laughs) I mean, yep, that's true. And so, like I said, I'm thrilled that whatever, you know, I don't know if they did wake up or maybe they all had brunch together this morning or, or yeah, or something, but outing or yeah, I had to be brings everyone together. (laughs) Maybe they went and played, you know, maybe they all, I guess it couldn't have been a Black Friday thing because they have played since then. But I, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe they all. Maybe they know. need to play more back to backs at home. Team things. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe. Maybe they need to play just the second half of back to backs at home. Could it be that? No, I'm not sure that's possible. <laughs> I mean, I, and and we do have to pay some lip service to the fact that Edmonton is Edmonton, right? But on a back to back night where Edmonton, I think, is clearly the stronger of the opponents between Vancouver and Edmonton. I, I don't even feel like it's that much of a of a you know detraction from the quality of the win to say that Edmonton's not that great because Edmonton's five hundred, they do have good players and look the Kings just got beat last night by a team on an eight game losing streak. They had every if ever there was a night where you were set up to go like all right well we knew they weren't going to win that one. Well you know I watched Edmonton Friday night in uh, or Friday afternoon in, mm-hmm. in Anaheim and I got to tell you this team to me if if I was in charge of this team in any way shape or form general manager coach owner I don't know I'd be going crazy right now. It is just a discombobulated disjointed poorly performing machine with loads of talent. I can't get over how poorly this team does. It, it's really mind-boggling. I I uh, I proposed in a in a text to a friend of mine tonight. I feel like hockey fans might have a class action lawsuit against Edmonton for ruining uh, the first quarter of Connor McDavid's career. <laughs> it's because totally at this, because at this point, like, what's I mean, you know, people kept saying, you know, I kept seeing on Twitter time and time again, 
oh, the crowd is thrilled by McDavid. Oh, McDavid wows the fans again. Like, McDavid sure is something. And I go, yeah, he is. So what? Like, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but, you know, I everyone wants to do this comparison of Crosby and McDavid. And I got to tell you, well, that I'll fight there, you on this one. There's there's no comparison in my book. I think I think McDavid's probably a very skilled player and he's probably, you know, a great goal scorer. And he's probably got all the talent in his pinky that most hockey players, you know, have through their whole bodies and their whole career. But he doesn't elevate the players around him in a oh, way no, that we agree. Yeah. he just he does not elevate. His, his teammates, he doesn't elevate his team. There's something missing from the McDavid legend that, that he is not building, uh, that, that Sid Crosby came in and built out of the gates. And, and it's just, it's really disappointing because of all the hype and because of all the pressure. And I get that he's a 21-year-old kid, but at the same time, or maybe he's 22 now, but at the same time, he is he's not pro- producing and not bringing his teammates along the way I would expect of a guy getting paid 13 million dollars a year jack i feel like you're team mcdavid in this not really oh okay mcdavid is i think mcdavid is by far the most talented player in the nhl i I, but he's not the best i I agree crosby's the best player in the nhl right now and it's exactly what jay was saying he he brings on no names and rookies and all of a sudden they're having career years and you take them off that line that crosby's on and they're nothing and then you look at mcdavid where you know, he puts up 100 points a year, and they still somehow lose, you know, 45 games a year. It doesn't make sense. Um, and it's – I think part of it has to do with a little bit of the locker room. Um, Crosby seems a little bit more, you know, as a leader where McDavid's kind of just that lead by example opposed to, you know, the mindset. And, again, he's 22 or 23. Yeah, he's, he's got plenty of time. He's very, very young. So he's yes. got time to improve it. Um, but you compare the early years of Crosby and the early years of McDavid. Um, while I do think Crosby probably had a little bit more help early on in his career, it's it's still something that has a lot of people scratching their heads to to see this team 500 or worse, you know, so far in his career besides the one playoff run. Didn't we have a conversation with a former LA Kings player who shall remain nameless who talked about the the struggles when he played in Edmonton at one time too? Yes, yeah, about yeah. About how we did. how bad yeah. the culture was and it was the let's, worst place he ever played. Let's and, just name him. Well, I'll let you do that. <laughs> oh, it was Eric Belanger. Uh, yeah. With nothing nice to say about Edmonton Not one. And, and you don't all. hear many guys that come on and, and no. say bad things about other teams or former teams that they played for. And and he was very candid and very frank. And, and I, don't even, a, I don't even think we brought it up. No, it didn't have a lot of nice <laughs> things to say about Edmonton. Not I, I'm not knocking the franchise, but it's just the last several years they've struggled. And, and how do you turn that around? You would think a guy like Connor McDavid would, would be the guy to do that. And obviously yeah. he's the building block. He's the start. Yeah. How long does it take to turn that ship around, right the ship, get it pointed in the right direction to where you want to be headed? I don't know. And I don't know well, that they know the answer. To especially that. when, I mean, questions have to be asked when Taylor Hall is a horrible year. The year before he gets traded, he leaves and he's the MVP he in the NHL. It, yep. it, it just, it, something doesn't add up. And, and I think, yeah, you have to start, you know, looking at, you know, random theories or just start spitballing when. Guys like that happen, and when people leave the organization saying this is trash, and you have the most talented player by far. But let's not even let's okay. Connor McDavid's a really talented player, but you got Drysidle. Yep. You've got Nugent Hopkins. I mean, you've got a complement of players on this yep. team that should be doing some damage, and they just they. 
they look so like sloppy and disorganized and they're playing you know the ducks who you know we we sit there and watch those games and it's very frustrating they've got a the Ducks have this amazing goalie. They got nothing in front of them. You know, they're it's a foul team, as uh, Jesse said last <laughs> night, and uh, and it's hard to watch. But at the same time, the Oilers couldn't do anything to them. They could yeah. they couldn't make it happen. You know, and they they just they weren't generating opportunity. It just looked like it looked like just a mess and really weird. Well, so this is sorry, Jack. I'm gonna jump in real quick. This is my fear about the Kings as it relates to the Edmonton Oilers. I was listening to uh, Hockey Central at noon, and I think it was. Brian Burke was talking about his they were, they were talking about interviews of, of players before the draft and any of that stood out and they talked about Nail Yakupov and I think it was Brian Burke when he was in Toronto I think they had the fifth overall pick or something like that and they went and interviewed uh, Yakupov and I could I could have it wrong it might not have been Burke it might have been um, uh, Mc, uh, not McClellan but the other guy um, Lamarillo no uh, the other host on a hockey center I'm blanking on his name McLean Doug McLean oh, okay but anyway one of them interviewed Neil Yakupov and they were saying that they had the fifth overall pick and Yakupov was so insulted that the team with the fifth overall pick would even bother interviewing him because he was so confident that he was going to go first or second overall that he you know that he was just like a pill and just a complete you know bad attitude guy to the team with it. and they said they were like even if he did fall to fifth we wouldn't take him because this guy has this negative attitude Edmonton takes him first overall you know he's back in Russia now to not have somebody in your organization with the presence of mind to identify that sort of thing early I mean that's why you have going on 13 years now or something like that of, of frustration in Edmonton my fear for the Kings is you know, we've seen tonight, this is the anti-Yakupov, you know, effort. Whereas the first maybe quarter of the season was, okay, there was something wrong. What was it? And, right. you know, we hope that, you know, whether it was, you know, Brown, as somebody suggested, stepping up and taking ownership of the team. Maybe it was Kopitar finally deciding, hey, you know, this is, a, you know, enough is enough. Maybe Dowdy finally settled it. Maybe Carter called everybody. You know, who knows? But something obviously Maybe happened. it's the Paul Ledoux factor. <clears throat> You joke, dun dun dun. But maybe it is. I mean, I, I don't know, right? I'm kind of joking. No, but but <laughs> but I but I Jack has heard me say this a million times. To me, a hockey team is a recipe, and it's not good enough. You know, we've we the phrase we've constantly. I'm all over the place tonight. I apologize. The phrase we keep hearing is they took a good team, they made the roster better. I don't understand why we've gotten the result we have. And the answer is really simple, and it's something I've been harping on for years. You don't just add a good player to a roster and magically the team is better. That's not how teamwork works. That's not how chemistry works. And another thing they were saying on uh, Hockey Central at noon is if you try and force chemistry, you you can make it worse in a hurry. And my fear is that maybe that's what happened and it took them 20 games to sort of find their, their groove. Because like I said, just watching Jeff Carter and Dustin Brown on the ice celebrating after the goal... That's the most fun I think I've seen anybody on the Kings have this season. Are you saying you think they've figured it out, in I, air quotes? I'm hoping they have. Okay. Let's ask Carlin as she joins us right now. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you 
What's, what'd you just say? <laughs> <laughs> I said it, it felt to me like watching Brown and Carter celebrate after the after Brown's hat trick mm -hmm. on the ice and then at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. It felt like they were having more fun than I've seen them have all season. Like Matt Luff level of fun? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> does it feel like maybe they had that mythical putt-putt outing that we've been talking about all year? Does they might this, have. Does this game feel like maybe they've actually turned some sort of chemistry corner? Yes, it does. And I just, hello, guys. Um, thanks for having me. <laughs> I just came upstairs from interviewing Dustin Brown, and we talked about feeling good. And literally the question I asked him was, you know, a lot of people look at numbers, but not looking at numbers, you literally just said you're feeling good. How does that affect your play? And he was just straight up and said it affects a lot of it. When you're in a good mindset, you play well. And we talked about this, I think, the last pa podcast where they were uh, – not doing so well no. and i'm a big believer in emotional play and mm -hmm. yeah we can break down statistics and there's Corsi and there's the stat sheets but if you're not emotionally feeling good you're not going to play good and tonight put put outing or not they played great <laughs> well there you thanks, have thanks carlin okay, she's coming over so <laughs> it's the biggest post-game podcast we've ever had jack <laughs> is it i mean do you think it's as possible as the team just got fed up last night. You know, I mean, there were you could hear the boos from the crowd as they left the ice. You know, it was a team that they absolutely should have beat. They they were playing decent hockey, not only last night, for, for a few games now. Is it possible that they just got so tired of losing? Uh, it's definitely possible. I, I think there's always a reset button that can be addressed, and whether it's, you know, these player-only locker room conversations that, happen every so often or or something along the lines of just we're sick of losing and we know we can be better um as carlin mentioned it's you know having played hockey at a very competitive level it things can snowball quickly and obviously you look at what happened early in the season and um you know forcing the chemistry with kovalchuk or, or trying to shake things up even though the roster looked identical it was quite different uh, and trying to just do the same exact things that have worked last year. Well, everything went the opposite way this year. So, uh, it, yeah, it ultimately you break it down to to being frustrated with how you're playing or embarrassed when you're getting booed at home, losing to Vancouver of all people. Uh, yeah, uh, it's it's definitely a possibility just because you know it, the frustration boils over, and there's two ways to go. You can let it keep going, or you can say enough's enough. And uh, According to tonight's response, it looked like everyone kind of just said enough's enough and this is not going to keep going. And uh, it's we'll see if it stays that way, but it's definitely a step in the right direction. All right. We've got to address the elephant in the room and I'm going to go to Jay because he can say all the things that none of us can. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Ilya Kovalchuk played under five minutes at even strength, under seven minutes for the entire game, almost didn't play at all during the third period. Uh, as a fan and as somebody not <laughs> officially affiliated <laughs> with the franchise in any way, uh, how much does that stand out to you? It's very, very noticeable. And mm -hmm. in fact, we uh, we've talked about this on the Dr. Hockey podcast a ton because it, incidentally, everybody should go and listen to the, the Dr. Hockey podcast. Oh, well, you know, it's a it's a different sort of thing. But we we talk about it from a uh, from just an observer standpoint. And we looked at that contract that was done. We had. Uh, in fact, we had Pat Brisson in the uh, on the podcast to talk about that contract, and he thought it was a great deal for the Kings because they were getting a high-level player who could score goals. He's a proven uh, proven commodity, 
and it was a low risk situation for the Kings. He did also say that, you know, even if it doesn't work out, all it did was cost the Kings money. So is it going to work out in the end? I don't know. But it is very noticeable. Our our feeling between uh, Jason Berkeley and myself is that this experiment has failed. And we do not we do not see it as a positive. We think that, uh, you know, Kovalchuk has been a great player in the past and coming back from the KHL to the NHL is not as easy as people make it out to be. And uh, this is uh, this is something that's not going to really bear fruit for the Kings. If it does, it'll be because something very drastic happens in the way that Kovalchuk integrates into the, the organization and into the team. Right now, he's uh, he, he's not performing at the level I would expect, especially of what they brought him here to do. Dave, you know, he was one of the I mean, he, he's, I think he still leads the team in scoring, although after tonight, maybe uh, Brown or Kovacar may have passed him, but. Six goals through twenty-three games. Yikes! <laughs> but but I mean, it, we lauded him for much of the early season for being one of the few guys that showed up, for being one of the few guys that was putting points on the board. I feel like since the coaching change, you know, his minutes have decreased. And frankly, I don't, I don't personally, and maybe I'm biased, maybe I'm just not seeing it, but I don't quite see what's. I mean, I don't think he's played terribly. I, I don't. I confess, I'm totally confused by the. By the by, the sort of disappearance of him of Kovalchuk, yeah, um, yeah. Well, he's been playing on the third line, which is kind of a mystery in and of itself. I mean, it, tonight it was he was on the fourth line. Fourth line tonight. Yeah. Was he on the fourth line tonight? Yeah. yeah. Did he start on the third line? I thought he started, started on the third. I believe he started he's, on the fourth. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay. So he was on the third line yeah. against Vancouver. Well, the fourth it, line. I'll let you carry it up, but fourth line with Amadio and Thompson is not yeah. a recipe for success. Yeah, I mean, for a guy who's making six-plus million dollars a year, it's kind of a, a shock to see him on the, either the third or fourth line. you think he'd be on one of the top two lines. You certainly can't say it's, a, it's, a, it's an experiment that hasn't worked on the top two lines because we really haven't seen him there a whole lot. So I'm not sure what's going on. I don't know if, if there's a disconnect there uh, with him and the coaching staff. I don't know if it's, a, if it's a chemistry issue with some of the players on the top two lines. I don't know what, what the situation is, but... For someone who's making that kind of money, you think, you know, he'd be playing a little bit higher up in the lineup and, and on one of the top two lines, you would think. So, again, I'm not sure exactly what it is. I can't put a finger on it, but it certainly is a mystery at this point as to why he's not getting the time on those two lines or why he's getting not getting more ice time. I don't know. And, and was he even on the power play tonight? He, uh, if he did, it was, I pointed it was, out to Jesse. Was he was on the second unit, and yeah. it was short-lived. Yeah. Right. I mean, he got I more than 27 seconds. And then toward the end of the game, I didn't notice him out there on the ice either. So I don't know if there's... I don't think He I was non-existent in the third. I don't know if he even played in the third. I, I'm not aware either, but when I what the, what I was noticing was not playing in the third at all. I think he I, had, I had one or two shifts late, okay. but basically not at all. And I missed Coach's post-game interview because I was with Brown, <laughs> so I did not hear his reasoning, but I know he touched on it. Yeah, we'll have the audio from uh, from Willie Desjardins. It to, is a surprise, though. I mean, to, to bring in the guy, he was you know highly touted in the off season as you know this is one of the premier free agents that's out there, and the Kings go out and make a move to get him. Yeah, he's up there in age, and he hasn't played here in five years. And, and he's still tied. I mean, I just looked; he's tied with Dowdy in the lead. And he's a pure scoring. goal scorer. Yeah. He's as pure a goal scorer as as they come in the NHL. So yes. I I don't know what the issue is there. My, my suspicion is that that's part of the coaching change was, you know, whoever, you know, put their money on this Kovalchuk move, pro it's probably cost somebody something at this point because he, he is doing well. But, you know, the teams, uh, let's not forget, they're in last place 
and the the amount of gold, they're minus 25 or something right now so it's a you know things didn't work out that's why we have a coaching change for this team and it seems to be having a, a good effect so we don't know i i don't really know where the kovalchuk thing fit into their master plan but obviously they've scrapped that and moved on and so maybe they're trying to figure out where to fit him in now and it's not exactly working where where he needs to be it it reminds me a lot of what we saw in the alexander ovechkin situation about five years ago uh ovechkin didn't really commit to playing a lot of defense or was at least very focused on scoring just 50 goals every year and all of a sudden yeah adam Oates. he's not there (laughs) there in the third period when they're up a goal like he wouldn't have him on the ice in the third period at all uh even in the playoffs it it was it was a head scratcher and ovechkin changed his game and was able to make it more uh, well-rounded if you want to say that even if even though it is still mainly offensive but you know the team as jay mentioned is a minus 25 or so give or take kovalchuk's a minus 13 and it he's a very offensive-minded player uh, but it's still a head scratcher when you're minus 13 uh sorry for the buzzer in the background but kings just scored again <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Updated score six two. Well, Brownie, got <laughs> Brownie got his fourth. Brownie got his fourth. But that's where you start to wonder if you do you give up on you can't give up on the experiment. Yeah, he's got a three year deal, and you don't want to move the guy because then it just makes you know whoever made the decision look pretty terrible uh, on the experiment of bringing Kovalchuk back. But at the same time, someone has to change the way things are working, and they, whether that's Kopitar or I mean Kovalchuk trying to adjust his game even though he's you know rough 30 something years old that could be tough or maybe they just have to try to work around his game a little bit more it's they've got 50 something games and they're in last place so why not try we talked a lot in the last episode about uh minute allocation and we said if we're gonna let the young kids play let the young kids play when it comes to and we talked a lot last season about lines that we were confused about you know, Jack, we'd say, like, we don't understand. Camillary. Why. Yeah. That's the big one. <laughs> yeah, like, what I, were I they doing? I don't understand why this combination keeps getting thrown out there. So my confu- my real confusion with Kovalchuk is if you were, if organizationally they've decided, okay, you know, Matt Love and Austin Wagner are the future. And once Lewis comes back and Hagelin comes back yep. and Quick comes back and Camel comes back um, <laughs> and Velarde comes back, okay. um, <laughs> you know, then... If they've de- if they have decided that that maybe it's not an experiment that they're fond of, then playing him for fourth line minutes, not giving him any power play time, and not playing him at all during the third period is not a recipe for getting any sort of return on your investment. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's it's I think it's the greatest mystery of the season. We said well, if you look at the minutes that Kovalchuk played tonight, second fewest on the team. It's a, it's so so he played six twenty. Uh, Michael Amadio played 459. That was the fewest yeah. minutes on the team. Kovalchuk, 620. And then you look at the young guys. Matt Luff played 16 minutes and 34 seconds. And Austin Wagner played 12 minutes and 11 seconds. So Wagner got double the ice time that Ilya Kovalchuk got tonight. So what does that tell you? Is that a, is that a movement toward, you know, letting the youth shine? And, and, and those Luff has been playing well. Right, it, I mean, he's, he's been scoring goals. goals. Wagner's been games. playing well. He's got speed. It Why is. not showcase those guys? Why it not is. give more playing time? I agree completely, but it's you can't give up on a guy who's getting paid six point two five million dollars, twenty two games, twenty something games into the season. It's just, what do you do? Yeah, okay. So now Jesse says all these guys get healthy. 
Well, you can't start scratching on Ilya Kovalchuk, you know, every few games. It's just not something that A is a recipe for success, and B, it's a horrible look on on everyone. And it's it's not something management wants to do. But Desjardins has to figure out how to get this guy ice time, but how he can be efficient when he's on the ice and. We saw it a little bit earlier in the season. He was the only one, at least from our perspective, that was showing true effort or right. just never gave yep. up or never quit. Now, I don't really think that's gone away, but it just it seems oddly quick to just throw the guy down on the fourth line and say, well, just fill some ice for us. Well, something clearly happened between last night and tonight because the way things looked last night is – it's completely it's like two different teams if you yeah. play these games next to each other the the way that the lines were the the shifts were shorter tonight yep. there were there were things happening tonight that were much more uh sort of like the 2012 kings like that's what it looked like with with brown and kopitar doing their thing with dowdy backing them up it really was a very different approach and so I, that's where i think kovalchuk just isn't fitting in just yet. I'm not saying that they're gonna they're gonna scrap that experiment. I doubt that they will. I think that they're gonna yeah. find some place where that works. But to me, it's not clear right now. And and it, and it was obvious tonight that they just were like, you know, you just hey, hang on a second, we'll get to you later. And and it, and it worked. So nobody's gonna argue with it. But you do have to deal with the fact that you're paying this guy a big bunch of money. The other, on the sort of other end of the spectrum, the thing that fascinates me from a totally positive standpoint is the play of Kyle Clifford, who's been like, I mean, totally. He, I mean, like you said, we hit, he hit two posts tonight. Our best player. Y yes. No, that's exactly what I was about <laughs> that to say. Kyle Clifford. <laughs> that, I mean, he's been incredible. And that line, you know, the, the, whether it was the kid line or, you know, that Clifford, these he's lines. taken Kovalchuk's place. Well, Which is the weirdest sentence yeah. I have ever heard. That's the bizarre part is, you know, we talk about <laughs> shifting lines. We talk about moving players around. I wouldn't break up the Luff-Wagner-Kempe line for anything right now. Nope. nope. And I wouldn't break up Carter to Foley-Clifford because at least yeah. when they're out there, they're doing stuff. And tonight you had, you know, even though Kopitar, Brown, and Ayafalo maybe technically might have gotten outplayed a, a, a skosh, um, they put four girls on the board. So... Mm. What do you Matt, do? Matt Luff, what do you do? Matt Luff's got a four-game goal streak. The future. He's got five points the in four games. Let's just start calling him the present. I mean, you can't he's got four fair, goals in four point. games. But you can't <laughs> not play Matt Luff right now. No, you absolutely you got to get him 16 no. minutes, yes. 18 minutes a night. You have to. He deserves it. He absolutely does. He's earned every bit of it. Mm-hmm. It's a weird season, man. You're shaking your head, Jesse. <laughs> no, because the season makes no sense to me on any level. Like, they had no business playing this game tonight. Like, never mind getting a win, because, okay, fine, Edmonton's right. Edmonton. But they had no business after 22 games uh, of what we've watched convincingly being too. that team, as I angrily point to the ice. Like, I tweeted sort of half-jokingly <laughs> during the game, like, I'm actually mad. And I, you missed it, I cursed. Um, no, I was here. Oh, you were all oh, right. Yeah, I oh, saw you missed. missed it, I swore. Um, you swore? I did. Are I, we going to bleep it out with a guitar solo? That's exactly what we're going to do. Did, can you do that on Dustin Brown's interview from sure. our second intermission? I will, yeah. He, uh, he got you there. We, yes, yeah, he did. Yeah, he, he dropped a very um, exciting word, yeah, and we had yeah. to run it back real quick and it tell him, word. we got to beep something. <laughs> He's very passionate. That's what I attribute that to. That's when passion is on the line. I don't mind that. And it was the evident. Come out. But yeah. that's the, I don't mind that, that is the biggest mystery of tonight's game. I loved it. Last night was, eh, it was okay. It was methodical. It was you know, workmanlike, they lost on a late turnover. What are you going to do? 
but, and then tonight, the first like nine minutes, they were all over the place. But why now? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Like, right. Why what not? happened? Yeah. Something happened today. Why something, not? Why somebody not, said something. Yeah. Why not game three? Like, it, uh, it just it doesn't make any sense. That's the annoying part. Is Maybe go, it's clicking now. But what? But why? I, I don't know. I, I don't just know want to know why. It's the Matt Luff effect. Oh, or the Paul you. or the Paul Ledoux effect. Uh, maybe it is the Matt I don't know. Luff. It's the Matt. Oh, He's I been mean, itching to get in the lineup. If it turns out He's... that the real answer to all of this was that they all just needed to learn a little bit about life and Luff, I'm going to be real. Wow, <laughs> great yeah, word. I've play. always said, "What's Luff got to do with <laughs> yeah. it?" Yeah, oh, I mean, keep yeesh. it going. Keep um, it. It's... Right. <laughs> but it's also, right. if you think about it, it reminds me too of like. How the Buffalo Sabres season has gone because yeah. you look at them. They last year I kept saying this is a team that's on its way. It's a team that's on its way, and they just kept losing and losing and losing. And I was like, well, you know, they got all the right ingredients. I don't see how they could have not had a better season. And then they come out this year, and where are they? They're in first place. And so sometimes there's a there are things that just have to reach a critical mass, and it has to kick over. And at some point, the switch happens, and all of a sudden the team gets its groove, and then it, off they go. And I, I don't know, maybe they needed Vancouver to come in. They had to look themselves in the mirror and say, you know what, we're not going to do that again tonight. And I just listened to Willie Desjard- Des- Desjardins, let's just <laughs> Desjardins um, talk about why Kovalchuk was not played enough tonight. And someone straight out asked him about his ice time. Sorry to not trickle off of your question, but just bounce back in. He said that, they're double shifting uh, McDavid. It looked like he would be out there sometimes for a minute 30 or so. Fair. And he wanted to make sure guys that maybe he thought had no business being matched up with him were not on the ice at that time. So that resulted in a lot less time for Kovalchuk. So that's his explanation, just putting that out there. It makes and sense. And also look on Twitter while podcasting. <laughs> Get the info. No, I mean, that. look, that is... That makes sense. That's a reasonable it's, answer. It's very sure. justifiable. But six minutes and twenty seconds justifiable? Well, honestly, one of the Is things yeah. I don't re- I don't recall McDavid playing fifty four. No. Play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the things I was thinking about on the drive to the game tonight was if we were in a different market, somebody from the LA Times or the OC Register, or there'd be a third or fourth newspaper, yes. or there'd be a talk radio station, or or somebody, somebody would have asked. You know, somebody from the athletic would have said, hey, what on earth is going on with, you know, these declines? They would have they would have asked difficult questions and, and we're not in that kind of market. Mm-hmm. So the I feel like the franchise has sort of gotten a pass, you know, all of us included. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but <sighs> I think the thing that frustrates me the most about this game is the last time Carlin and Dave, you guys were on. Um, we got in an argument about whether or not the season was done. And I just want to say, Twitter, everybody listening, listen, I see your comments and I see your tweets. Does it ever bother me? No, but I just want to speak on this real quick. We love Jesse and for that strange little comment that we got that it was just so like, you guys do not care what he says you don't let him talk i was like wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute he's our freaking bro man we're not always agreeing with him but he's wow. our bro you on. can't you can't listen to twitter what are you but gonna say now that i'm gonna yell at n- this game yeah undid everything i said two games ago and that's that's why i'm so annoyed and and flustered and and discombobulated because yeah, especially after last night. I mean, Dave, I'm sorry. I'm going to throw you under the bus here. Go for it. You and I met in the media room after the game and after I had said no pod. 
And you said to me, like, man, I'm glad we don't have to do a pod yes, tonight because I, I don't know what I'm going to say. Yes, I did. I did say that exactly. That is an exact quote. Yeah. Yes. And But here we are 24 hours later. Not even – well, yeah, more than 24 hours. Well, a lot 20, of things change after one game, don't they? It shouldn't be that easy. I should have the strength of my convictions not to watch one game and be like, well – Let me ask you this. There's three games in hand on, you know <laughs> – Let me ask you this. You wanted to throw the season away. Yes, you did, Jesse. Last game. You oh, said I that. Ha- you, were ready to, you had. You were ready to jump from the Bob Miller Notice press Notice how box. he said had? Yeah. And what? Well, if they lose another one, I'm right back. <laughs> I was just going to say. I'm right back in the ocean. Off the ledge, buddy. Does this, off the ledge. does this totally take you off the ledge and, and bring back that specific saying of the season being over? Do you think the season could be saved? Here's the thing. Okay. 22 games into the season, everybody at this table would have said, this team doesn't have an identity. We don't understand what the lineup is. There's clearly some sort of, uh, whether, you know, if we don't want to use the E word for effort, we can say there's some sort of buy-in problem there's some sort of of malaise that's infected this team tonight as we've already said the luff line was great the carter line was great the kovatar line put in four points and even the kovalchuk amadio and thompson line even though they didn't get a ton of minutes they outplayed their opponents they didn't give up any ugly goals they were fine right they didn't look terrible they they went out and they did their job edmonton's not the greatest team in the world but i also never really felt like they were going to come back and win this one. Am I totally off the ledge? No. But do I actually feel like this team we saw tonight was a completely different version of the Kings than anything we've seen? Even the Nashville game. Mm-hmm. I felt more confident watching this game. Um, oh. I, uh, maybe I'm just a sucker. I don't know. <laughs> well, you you got to be careful because you know that it can switch back the next game. You could see just a disaster, and, and it will reaffirm everything that you yeah. thought well, and before still tonight. still in last place. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Let's not forget that, yeah. too. That's right. <laughs> but your next two games are these same two teams. It's Vancouver yeah. Tuesday and Edmonton Thursday, and then Calgary on Friday. So you've got two winnable games, once again, against division opponents, and then another team in Calgary, which is a beatable team at this point. Four-point so, swings. Right, exactly. I mean, you're looking at three With big games, games coming hand. up. With games in hand Correct. against almost everybody. Well, and that would be that would change the season right there. If if they are yeah, successful they, on this road trip, it is a whole different season, and things they're coming into the right part to be primed for that. Uh, I hate this season so much. <laughs> all right, all right. We're gonna uh, we're gonna jump to the play of the game and the player of the game. We're gonna start to my left, Jack. Uh, what was the play of the game? My play of the game is the first goal. Okay, it's the first goal I've seen all year, where they have had a clean breakout mm-hmm. a clean zone entry <laughs> and a backdoor tap-in goal it, it made everything look so easy against a fast team who forever we've been seeing them just get caught up in the neutral zone and all of a sudden a three on two turns into a five on five well today it, it was a clean breakout three on two backdoor tap-in beautiful jay play of the game kopitar's runaway goal the the that goal st- just it punctuated the win it it changed the season and when you look back if they do go on this win streak which i think that they are gonna they're gonna do i think you're gonna see that goal as the moment that kopitar reaffirmed his position as captain and took the team into a different direction consistency please i I was gonna pick that goal (laughs) you still can i well i'm gonna pick the Derek forbert pass up the boards to kopitar 
and that will be my uh, play of the game is the pass that led to that goal. I like it. It was a beautiful stretch pass it and was. another clean zone entry with speed and, and possession. I won't make Yay! two play of the game, but <laughs> two he also had a, a nice block early, uh, early in the game. Forbert, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. yes. Dave, I'm going to say the Kopitar goal as well. Just the way he came down off the wing. And that was vintage Andre Andre Kopitar, the way he he worked his way toward the center of the ice and then shot back short side. uh, A vintage Kopi goal. I mean, as a sniper, it reminds me of the, the, it was the shootout goal that he had against Chicago where he went forehand, backhand. He didn't, he shot, he didn't deke this time, but it was a similar type play. Just the way he picked that short side corner was, uh, that's vintage Kopi. That's my play of the game. And the game winning goal. His first game winning goal of the season, by the way. I'm going to go with the Brown uh, hat trick empty netter. Not because it was the hat trick, not because it was, you know, a statement goal for Brown or whatever, but because we saw that quote from Dowdy earlier in the season about we can't all stand around waiting for somebody else to do it. And and I mentioned it earlier, the passing just to set up Brown for a, a dumb empty netter. That was the first time that I've actually seen the team playing for each other, right? Every guy on the, I think it must've touched every guy's stick on the ice and they all collectively were trying to push the puck up the ice to Dustin Brown to get him the goal, right? Two or three guys passed up opportunities to score it. That was the first time that, that I saw an answer to that quote from Dowdy about waiting for someone else to do it. They all said, I'm, I'm going to be the one that helps my teammate, you know, to our conversation about yeah. improv in, in your behind the yeah. scenes, right? It's that we all, you know, if I help you look good, yep. I look good. And and so for me, that was the play of the game. Jack, player of the game. Can I cheat? Sure. The third line, the kid line. Sure. Uh-huh. Okay. I thought they were spectacular. All right. They showed life. They showed energy. They showed passion. And they Gave us opportunities. I, they did everything that you could ask for out of a young line. They looked mature. They didn't take any penalties. And they had the puck in the, the Oilers' zone the majority of the time that they were all three were on the ice. It's Technically, they had a goal at the end of the... Uh, <laughs> they produced a goal yeah. in, in Luff's uh, fourth goal in his fourth game. Uh, but all of them, uh, they've... Sh- They've shown that they belong, at least in this one game. And you just hope to see the consistency, as I mentioned before with uh, with Kopitar. It's something that'll keep them in the game, and it's something that'll keep them playing, which is more important. And if they can keep doing that, they're going to keep being successful, and they're going to keep creating opportunities. Jay, player of the game? I'm going to go with Cal Peterson. Okay. This guy uh, provided a level of confidence in the Nets that allowed the Kings to do what they do and their, you know, their last defender was definitely strong in this game against a team that does have some very, very high level scoring weapons. And he, he just hung in there and he gave everybody the confidence. I could see it coming from, from that goal line. He, he really was there and he stood up strong and everybody felt confident to go down and do their, do the things that they did so well. Garland player of the game. Dustin Brown, because he said the things that I have been thinking about the emotion and the investment of this team. and The swear word part? Yeah, <laughs> that too. That kind of did it for me. That was great. That was a great moment. That was my first um, moment dealing with the swear word too on, on TV. We were what's called live to tape, so you can tape it as if you're live and then fix it in post, as they say. So good thing we caught it. But I just love how... We got to talk about the emotional investment of this team. Yeah, he got a hat trick. 
yeah, him and Kobe were buzzing, but he just he touched on something that I find value in. It's not always the numbers. It's are you here? Hello? Knock knock. Alive? Yes? Great. Hockey. Cool. Thumbs up. Buzzwords. Bing bing. That's a t shirt. Dustin Brown. (laughs) That's my guy. Dave? All great choices. I am going to go a little different route here. Uh And I'm gonna say it's Matt Luff. And I know it's an empty net goal. Jump on I know the bandwagon. I know it's late in the game, but for a rookie like Luff to come in and take advantage and, and make the most of his opportunity that he's given, he's got a four-game goal streak. And just looking at the post-game notes by the Kings PR staff, longest goal streak of at least four games by a Kings rookie since Jimmy Carson wow. in 1987. Wow. So if that doesn't tell you something right there, I mean, that says a lot to me. Sure, it's an empty netter, but it doesn't matter at the end of the day how the goal goes in. He's got a four-game goal streak. He's got five five points in four games. My player of the game is Matt Luff. More importantly, he had the confidence to put him on the ice, and which says a lot. Absolutely, for a it doesn't. He time. played over sixteen minutes tonight, so I I tip my hat to Matt Luff. Dave, with with a second tip of the hat to Dustin Brown, Kopitar, yeah, no, and, and those he, guys. he was all right. Yeah. <laughs> I I was going to go the same route, Dave, and say basically the same thing, which is that even on a night where until you know the very end of the game, he you know he didn't have a goal, and it would, I think it would be very easy for a young player on a on a streak like that to maybe I don't want to say get disappointed, but maybe take the foot off the gas just a little bit when when you break that kind of streak. But nope, kept playing. Kept doing everything that he wanted to do, and he got rewarded. Good to with, see that from a rookie. Time. Good yeah. to see that he, from a rookie. And he got the goals. Yep. So. It was a mature game because yeah. he wasn't goal hunting. He wasn't cherry picking. Yeah. He was just playing his game, and you know, when you play that type of hockey, the puck finds you at the right times. I want to add one more thing to this ridiculous game. Um, <clears throat> Hagelin's out. Like, they do all this with one more guy on the IR. I mean, they just didn't have any business winning this game. I'm fl- I'm totally I'm flabbergasted. Because they were missing Carl Hagelin? Yeah. They they lost you, last why night. Why are you flabbergasted by that? Be, because it's just one more one more hurdle to jump to 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 the performance. But doesn't that saw. allow one more person to step up and and show that this yeah, is he, an opportunity? He didn't. But he had been the guy, right? Like he's the one who who sends Luff out on the on the breakaway on the last game, right? With that goal, like he. Sure. I mean, he was playing his role, and he yeah. goes down, and you know they said a next man up mentality, right, for Amadio. So okay, fine, but Wagner winds up being the actual next man up, um, and as Jack said, that line was fantastic all night long. Jay, before we go, uh, tell everybody where they can find your podcast. Uh, it's on uh, Apple Podcasts, on iTunes. It's also uh, on the Podcast One app and then also on uh, Google Play. It's called the Dr. Hockey Podcast. It's pretty easy to find, and uh, we have some pretty fun guests. We have, we have, we yeah, have you, Jesse, it was a lot of fun. You did huh. a Thanksgiving episode with, with uh, Mia Khalifa, and if you what? if you have to ask, <laughs> you, you don't want to know. Yeah, exactly. In relation to Wiz Khalifa? No. 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 Okay. <laughs> Better looking. <laughs> it, was a, it, was a, it was a good episode. Yeah, she, so, uh, she's uh, happy with her Caps performance. Yeah. I think they're doing okay. Yeah. I was also going to say, though, before you go, mm-hmm. Tanner Pearson. Doing yeah, all right over yeah. in Pittsburgh, isn't he? Look, I'm fighting. Is he three goals now? Yeah, I've, ah. I've turned into as Liam Neeson from Taken on uh, on Tanner. But like, if if you are speaking ill of Tanner Pearson online, yeah, I have a very specific set of skills that I've acquired over <laughs> the years. If if you leave him alone, it's over. I'll let you go. But if you say something bad about Tanner Pearson, I'll, mm. I'll find you. I'm sure um, it does help that he's playing with Evgeny Malkin and uh, with. Um, 
Phil uh, Castle. He's also with Phil, yeah. Yeah, right. but I mean, look, yep. they don't put you know they don't put scrubs uh, on that line. So anyway, Jack, no uh, thank you as always for joining me. Just good to be here for a win. That's right. So you're first since Detroit. Yeah, first since Detroit. Uh, this season is ridiculous. Jay, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's great. Carlin, thank you. I just start showing up now, so <laughs> you're welcome. Dave, a pleasure as I'll always. be here at Staples Center next Sunday to face the Carolina Hurricanes. You there can, you go. You can hear me then. I'm, yeah, a little, tune in. I'm a little disappointed you didn't name me player of the game for actually shaving my beard. Well, that's a good point. Maybe I'll have to take it back. <laughs> Did you see Matt Luff today? <laughs> <laughs> so for Jack Jablonski, Jay Calvert, Carlin Bathe, and, and uh, Dave Joseph, I'm Jesse Goen. Thanks for listening, Kings fans. This absurd season continues. We'll talk to you soon.